So that's why you're not talking to me. I'm new at this. Good morning again. Let's start totally over. It's really good to be here this morning. I am really excited. Thank you, worship team, for, for that. No, I love, man, those songs are so good. There's a, there's a line in that last song. It says, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Isn't that cool? Aren't you, aren't you glad of that? Romans chapter 8, man, we just, there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from that love. There's just nothing. Um, my name is Kirk. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, my, my, my title is Hayden's Uncle. Uh, that's what I go by. Uh, Mindy's uncle-in-law, if that's a thing. And uh, so really excited and, and uh, just really pleased to be here. Just because you don't know me, if you will indulge me, I'll tell you a little story about me. Would that be okay? When I turned 40, which was last year-ish, yeah, um, I decided that I was going to run a marathon. I've been a runner all my life. I just enjoy that. Any runners in the house? Anybody like to run? Okay, it's just me. Awesome. I can tell this story and you won't understand it. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, so I, I decided to run this marathon when I turned 40, uh, the year I turned 40, and uh, I had something kind of going in that I wanted, I, I, I was a little bit nervous about running. I've never run a full marathon before. In fact, I don't know that I've ever run more than four or five miles at one time. But, you know, I thought, I thought, I am awesome. I can do it. And I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm going to do it just in case I want to back out. Never done that before? So I was working for Blue Cross Blue Shield at the time, and Blue Cross actually sponsors the Little Rock Marathon, and they said, if you want to run, we'll pay your way in. So I said, well, what do I have to lose? I just won't tell anybody, and then that way I can, I didn't even tell Tanya, my wife who's sitting over here, isn't she pretty? Thank you. Does that embarrass you? No, it should have. So I didn't even tell her, so I, 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 was, I, I was going down this road. In fact, what she didn't know was I had signed up for it the year before, too, and didn't run it because I just backed out. Well, I made the mistake about a month before the race of saying, or it came up somehow or another, there's a Little Rock Marathon, and I think Tanya might have even said, hey, you ought to think about running that sometime. And I made the mistake of saying, oh, I signed up. And I wasn't ready for it, but I signed up for it. And at that point, I felt this little twinge from her of, oh, well, I'm, I'm really proud of you for doing that. And then I thought to myself, oh, crud, what have I done? Now somebody knows that I'm about to run a marathon and I'm, I'm held accountable for this thing. I've got to finish this thing. I've got to do this now. So I thought, well, I got a month. I got to prepare. So I actually got out and started running a little bit more. I actually got up to about four and a half miles. You know, a marathon is 26.2 miles. You, can, you know how this is going to go, right? So I, I got there day of the marathon. I was so excited. I was excited. The, the, the weather was good. I've run several half marathon since, and the weather is always terrible at the Little Rock Marathon, always. It's either negative 400 degrees or it's so hot you can't stand up. But this day, it was, it was really, it was just perfect. I got there. I was so excited. And, and there was this moment of foundation, mile one. Here we go. We, we're going to start this race. There was a moment of foundation. I understood who I was. I knew that God created me for this. They, 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 they started the race, and here I went off running with all these other people, all these other like-minded idiots that were all running this, this particular race this day, and here we went. And I was so excited. I had this foundation. I knew who I was. I knew what I was doing. And, and about mile three or so, I started this foundation in my, in, my, in my understanding of who I was, and I started thinking, you know what? This might be a little harder than I thought. I'm at mile three, and so I started doing some quick math in my head, 
Let's see, I still got 23 more miles to go. Point two, thank you, Drew. And those are the hardest ones, actually, yeah. Uh, and, so, and so I started thinking, you know what? I, this is getting hard, but, you know, ultimately, bottom line, I'm still awesome. And I can still do this. So I kept going, and I, and I kept moving forward. About mile nine, I'm passing people. I'm blowing by people. You know, those, they, they have these little, um, the, the, the little, name, the little numbers that, they, that you wear on the front. You can, you can print your name on there, too. So I had whatever my number was, and right above it said K-I-R-K. And people were cheering my name. And I thought, these people know me. They're here to see me run. That's how awesome I am. And I'm passing people. I'm blowing by people. I'm listening to them tell me how great I am. And so I'm running by people, I'm blowing by people, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that whole classic Captain America thing, on your left, you know, and I'm kind of running by people, and, 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 and life is, is really good. And I audibly said, I, I sincerely did that, this is not for show, I audibly said, God, you created me for this. I thought things were going really, really well, but I was starting to get tired. And about mile, right after mile nine, I started realizing that maybe... In my awesomeness, I ought to back it down a notch and not expect to finish top 10. I'm just going to kind of finish probably in the top 100 of the 2,500 people that were running. I, that'll be okay. So I started backing off a little bit. I had this, this self-focus. And then I started looking around and I started realizing more people are passing me at about mile 14. And, and, and I, I started realizing that, that as people are starting to go by me, they got better shoes than I do. That's why they're going past me. Or, or, or they got that cool little, little fanny pack thing. You ever seen those? They have, the little, they have the juice boxes on the sides and the little gels, and I see them popping those things. I didn't have any of that. So I started thinking the only reason that they're passing me is because they have, they have more money than I do, and they were able to buy these things. They got a $100 pair of shoes. Mine are 26 bucks from Walmart. And my shirt is a t-shirt that somebody gave me. And you've got this cool little dry flex stuff on. So that's, that's the only reason that you're passing me right now. And then came, then came mile 16. Mile 16 is up Kavanaugh Hill. Y'all ever been on Kavanaugh Hill? It quite literally, and this is not for effect either, it is a 90 degree straight up hill. And you are actually scaling a wall. And that's what it feels like when you're running. You're running straight up this hill. And I began to think, what have I done? And, and those, those thoughts of how awesome I am turned into, God, why did you make me do this? What in the world is happening? I'm wanting to grab hold of someone's shirt and have them pull me up. I, I really am. I'm just at the spot in my life where it's like, I don't, I, I, there's no way that I'm going to be able to finish this. You get to the top of the hill and then guess what? You got to come down that thing. And coming down a hill when you're running is not easy. And so you're starting to flex muscles that you didn't flex on the way up. And so you're coming down. Now you're getting blisters on your feet because you're trying to stop. I mean, you're coming down like this. And I get down to the bottom of that hill. And I hit about mile 18. And I realize I am depleted. I'm done. Actually, doctors say that there's this glycogen thing that just you, in the middle of a race. And, and about mile 18-ish is when you're just depleted. I mean, you physically are depleted. And I had this moment in my life, I had this moment where I had an opportunity to just 
keel over and die. I began to pray. I began to say, God, I'm not awesome. <laughs> I realize that I'm not awesome. And if you wouldn't mind, would you just whisper in my wife's ear right now that your husband loves you very much and you will never see him again? Would you do that? Would you make sure that my kids have plenty of whatever they need to grow up and be godly kids? Would you just take care of that for me? Because I'm hitting fetal position right over here. I'm just going to curl up and I'm just going to die. I had, I had, at this moment, I had that option. I had three other options as well. I had the option of just dying, which was beginning to look really, really nice. The second option was to start listening to the people that were around me. Because their cheers of how great Kirk is, and boy, look at Kirk, he's passing everybody. Go Kirk. It turned in from that to, well, hang in there, Kirk. You can do this, Kirk. You're not going to die, Kirk. And when they first started doing that, I kind of started feeling like, oh, y'all are just patronizing me. Y'all are saying things that I don't really want to hear. But then when I started listening to their heart, it was like, you know what? They really are for me. And that they really are encouraging me here. And, and, and they're telling me things that maybe I should listen to. So that was the second option. A third option would have been to stop what I was doing and go seek a doctor. And say, hey, doctor, what can I do right now at mile 18 in my life to finish this race? What can I do? He might say, hey, man, eat, these, eat this particular protein, take some electrolytes, drink this water, massage your calves in some way, take get some different shoes, man, my goodness. Do something. Oh, the fourth option was the one I actually ended up taking. The fourth option, instead of die, be encouraged, talk to a doctor, the fourth option was, as I was just about to just say, okay, I'm going to go over here and cheer for people. I'm just going to kind of make people think that I'm here the whole time. About this time... This lady, and I don't mean any disrespect by this, but this lady passes me. And I'm, again, not being disrespectful at all, but she was 173 years old if she was a day. She couldn't even stand up straight. She was running kind of like this. And I said, you're not passing me. There's no way you're passing me. So I accepted the challenge that she was. Now, just to cover my awesomeness, she had just started her, her leg of the race. She was running a relay. Okay, 173-year-old woman. It was a good day for her, but she wasn't passing me. So I, it, encouraged, it challenged me to get up and to move on. See, at this point, I had this moment of shift. I had this shift from the first 18 miles of this race on how great I was to how, how much I was struggling and looking at the people around me to the self-pity, to the depletion and I shifted my gears to, if she can do it, I can do it. If they can encourage me, if they can encourage me to keep moving, then I can keep moving. See, the shift went from, woe is me, to, to I, can, I can accept help into my life. Does that make sense? So the shift went, and the focus shifted, and I started moving forward. And I started, instead of self-pity, I had self-awareness. And I started realizing that, yes, God created me for this, but maybe he didn't create me to do this by myself. And maybe I was created to be in community with someone else and accept encouragement or to accept help from a doctor or to accept um, challenge from a 173-year-old lady who couldn't stand up straight. And she was knitting. No, she wasn't knitting. I don't know why I said that. So the self-awareness then turned into a renewed focus. That's my marathon story. I'm sticking with it. Some of it might be made up. So don't repeat me on it. No, it's all, it's all pretty, pretty real except for the lady knitting. She was there, but she was not knitting. 
I want to talk to you this morning about a very similar marathon experience that is found in the Word of God, and it is in Psalm 73. Would you turn there with me, Psalm 73? And as you do, I am already dry, so if y'all turn there, I'm going to grab this water right here. Thank you. Psalm 73, I'm going to read this out of the whole thing. I'm just going to read it out of the ESV, if that's okay. I hear some pages still turning, but I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Psalm 73 in the ESV. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they had no pangs until death. Their bodies were fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They were not stricken like the rest of us, like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out of uh, swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them. They find no fault in them, and they say, how can, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, uh, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands of innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked from every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Verse 16. But when I thought how I understood this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. Truly you have set, uh, truly you have set them in slippery places, and you make them fall in ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord. When you rouse yourself, you despise them as fathoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Verse 23, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Who, am I, who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and proportion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish you put an end to, the, to everyone who is unfaithful to you, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the, the Lord my refuge that I may tell of your works. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you allow us to understand that you love us and that you give us the grace and the peace to, and the comfort to move forward and to feel your presence as we rightly divide your word. So God, I pray that you would uh, get me out of the way this morning. I get us out of the way, get our feeble understandings, get, 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 get the things that we already have preconceived notions in our brain about what you might say to us, God, and just clear the slate and allow us to feel you 
speaking to us and hear you speaking to us and that we can grow and change and become the people that you want us to become. God, thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to just kind of take a parallel. I'm going to leave that, uh, uh, leave that graph on the screen, and I'm going to shift it from Kirk's marathon to Asaph's marathon. Asaph is the writer of, this, of Psalm 73, and I want you to just take a look at this uh, and go through his exact same marathon that I went through. And I think you'll find that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that there is no temptation that's not common to man. In other words, what I go through, you go through. What Asaph went through, we're going through. The things that, that we, we all are tempted by the same things, and we all have similar races. So, so take a look at how, how similar Asaph's marathon is to mine. When I started off in mile one, I was all excited. I knew exactly how God had created me. Look what Asaph says there in verse one. And this, I'm going to start reading a little bit out of the New Living Translation. Some of, the, some of, the, of, of my uh, uh, illustrations here will come from, from New Living. So if it sounds a little different than what I just read, that's why. But in verse 1, it says, truly there's a God in Israel to those whose hearts are pure. See, he starts his race just like I did. He knows, his found, he, he knows who he is. He knows his, his foundation of life. He knows where he came from, just like I did. Here we go. Gun sounds. About mile 3 is when people, when I started realizing, I'm getting a little bit tired. I'm still awesome, but I'm getting a little bit tired. Listen to what he says in verse 2. Asaph says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. He was having the same trouble I was about mile three. He knew who he was. His foundation was still set, but the knowledge of where he was and what was going on around him was getting a little bit more difficult. About mile nine is when I, people were, uh, they were cheering my name, but I started realizing that people were passing me, and I started going down the road of, okay, well, maybe, maybe they have something that's better than me. Look what it says in verse three. Asaph says, for, for I envied the proud. Okay, let me back, stop just for a second. I envied the people that had the cool shoes. I envied the people that, that I thought were better than I was. For I envied the proud, he says in verse 3, when I saw them prosper uh, despite their wickedness. And I was thinking the same thing I was running. You have to be more wicked than me because I'm, I, I am who I am. Remember? I'm awesome. And you're not. Why are you passing me? Verse 4 says, then they, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride as a necklace, as a jeweled necklace, and clothe themselves with cruelty. These, I love this word, these fat cats, it says in the New Living Translation. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. Have you ever been on Facebook? Does this not sound like Facebook? How come it is that I'm struggling in my finances and I'm struggling with my kids and I'm struggling in my marriage, but I get on Facebook and everybody else is perfect. They, they're at the beach. They're living life large. They're so happy, all these big smiles. That's exactly what he's doing, except he didn't have Facebook. My friend, social media is a little bit of a lie. Just FYI. It's okay to be on it. It's cool to be on it. But don't get too caught up in the compromise. Don't get too caught up in the comparison game that is. Uh, that, that, that is. And so he hit that. And just like I hit that, we started looking around. We start looking around in our lives. And about mile 14, 
where I began to compromise. I began to say, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to be in the top 10. Remember, maybe I'm not going to be the winner in my age division. Maybe I need to back off just a little bit. Asaph says in verse 8, if you'll follow along with me, Asaph says in verse 8, they scoff and speak only evil in their pride they seek to crush others. They boast against the heaven, the very heavens, and they strut through, throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying uh, a life of ease when their riches multiply. How can this injustice be, Asaph is saying? How can these people live this way and I'm living a godly life? How can this be? Have you ever been there? Have you ever noticed that, that when you're trying to live this, this godly existence, this, this, uh, this personal life alone with God, and you're trying to, to live up to everything that he wants from you, and yet you keep getting smacked around? You keep getting that bill that's a little bit late? You keep getting that word from your children that's not exactly what you want to hear. Your, your spouse is not living up to the expectation. Well, how come it is that I'm trying to live like God? I'm trying to live like Jesus, and, and yet these people aren't, and they're getting everything that they want. This was the struggle in Asaph's life, just like it was in my, in my, in my run. He hits mile 16, and self-pity creeps in. This is where... This is where the Kavanaugh Hill was for me. This is where I just got to the place of, okay, I must be the most awful person on this planet, that God hates me enough to put this hill in my life. You got a hill in your life? Listen to what Asaph had in verse 15. He said, he's looking around, he's seeing all these people that are running around him, and he says this in verse 15, if I had spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. He's talking to God. If I had done that, you'd have been all over me. It sound like one of your children saying that? It sound like you saying that? If I had done that, well, they had done, well, they, get, they did that, and they get their way. They get whatever they want to do. How come I don't? That's self-pity. Self-pity, listen to this, self-pity is one of the greatest diseases that you can ever get because it doesn't just go away. Self-pity turns into more self-pity. That turns into more self-pity. And the next thing you know, you're self-pitiful, and you're sitting at a mile 16, turning, about to turn into a mile 18, and your life is so, so difficult. Listen to this in mile 18. My mile 18 was where I wanted to stop, remember? My mile 18 was where I had to, I had to figure out something. I had to decide what I wanted to do, if I wanted to die or I wanted to be encouraged. This was a shift. This was a momentum shift. This was the place where I can either choose to do something right or I can choose to do something wrong. Mile 18, this is where, this is where all the rubber hits the road. Listen to verse 16. Listen to this. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. I am unable, I am too tired to consider the solution. And have you ever been at that spot? Listen, on my mile 18 and, and when I was running, I was too tired to even understand why I was there. My body had just completely depleted all the energy cells that I had. And I really was at a spot I couldn't even think straight. My friends, in your life right now, there's a good chance that you are at mile 18 in your marriage in your struggle with anxiety, 
and your struggle with depression and your struggle with, with some sort of addiction, you might be at this mile right now. And you're too tired to even understand that you're at this mile. A few weeks ago, I was out working in my garage and I had spilled some gas. And it, I, it was at the end of the day, it was hot, and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to stuff in the garage, car stuff. I had spilled some gas and I was smart enough to create a fire in my garage. I told you I was awesome, right? And so this fire, I had this fire, and it's not a big fire, I wasn't, you know, but it was a small little fire in my garage, and long day, it was 148 degrees outside, y'all remember those days, yesterday? Uh, and, and so here's this fire, and my brain just goes, I don't know what to do. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. There's fire. <laughs> And so I started, I just kind of stepped out into the driveway, and I just said, help. <laughs> I mean, literally, I was just yelling, help. I, 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 fire. I, and I really sincerely didn't know what to do. I was smart enough to know that if I pour water on this, on a gas fire, that's not a good idea. But that, other than that, I had no idea. Well, a neighbor came running over, and he said, you got any flour? So, Yeah. Well, you want me to bake you a muffin while you sit here and talk? I mean, what do you want me to do with flour? So I ran in and got some flour, and he started sprinkling the flour on the fire, and the fire started going out. He said, you got a blanket? I said, yeah, right there. <laughs> and so I, he grabbed a blanket, and we kind of, kind of smothered the fire. It went out, no problem. But see, at that moment, and, and now, I, yeah, I know how to do that. I, I know you can put flour on a fire. I know you can cover it with a blanket. I know that. But I was not able to think clearly. Friends, some of you guys, I'm telling you, if you're not there right now, there's a good chance you will be at some point. We're all running these marathons in our lives, and we hit these mile 18s in our lives, and we have a decision to make. Are we going to listen and allow people to feed into us, or are we just going to curl up in the fetal position and go, I can't, I can't. My marriage must be over. My parenting skills must be done. I'm going to lose this battle to anxiety. I'm going to lose this battle to lust. I'm going to lose this battle to an addiction. I guess I'm just going to lose it. Or you can do one of the four things that I decided that I would do in this marathon. You could either die, which I don't encourage. You could listen to the encouragement around you. And these are the folks in here that are encouraging you, telling you it's going to be okay to move forward, keep moving forward. You could accept help from a professional uh, the doctor that I needed to tell me, you need electrolytes, dude. You need to eat some protein. You need to change your shoes. Maybe you need to sit down with somebody and talk to somebody that's professional, that really knows what they're doing. Uh, or the fourth one is that you can take challenge. Somebody just to kind of kick you in the backside and say, you need to keep going. You need to keep moving forward. But one of those things, it's a decision that you have to decide in your brain to make because your feelings are going to betray you at this moment. Okay? Let's look and see what Asaph did. Asaph, uh, in verse 17, he decided to go with a focus shift. Look what he says in verse 17. Oh, man, I just love this so much. Verse 17 says, When I went to, into your sanctuary, O God. <laughs> when I went into your sanctuary, O God, I finally understood 
the, dest- the destiny of the wicked. When I went into your sanctuary, all right, this is much more than going to church on Sunday morning. And that's all part of it. I'm glad you're here. But going into God's sanctuary is meeting with God one-on-one. It is, it is connecting with him one-on-one and bringing others into the equation. Because his sanctuary is not just a one-seater. The sanctuary is you. It's us. It's the church. When I went to your sanctuary, I started to understand uh, my tiredness, my unable to focus just dropped away. The more, um, the, the more we are able to focus on that God and change our minds and not our feelings. See, our feelings will betray us. I said that a moment ago. We have to decide these things. And sometimes we need help just to be able to see that and just to be able to focus that. There's a, right now in our world, there's a couple of really great lies that are floating around. And I wanted to dis- dispel those real fast. One of those lies is that God has forsaken us. You've heard that our country right now is in a weird spot. And some, I've heard some people literally say, well, God has just forsaken us. Let me tell you something. God has not forsaken me. And God has not forsaken you. Now, he may be allowing some things happen to your life. But you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, the difficulty in your life is meant to grow you. The difficulty in your life, maybe, is meant to grow somebody else. Allow that difficulty in your life, that mile 18 moment in your life, to reconnect you with God. God has not left you. He is your ever-present help in time of danger. Amen? Here's another lie. I'm going to say this slowly because you're not going to agree with me on this. I saw a billboard just a couple of weeks ago. A billboard it said these three words the words are you are enough let me go slow because you're gonna get offended by this you are not enough you're not now God created you to fulfill his purpose in his world you're certainly enough to do that as long as he is with you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me you know that verse I can do all things that he wants me to do because he strengthens me. You are not enough to do whatever it is you want to do. We are designed to have a relationship with our creator, and we are designed to live in community with other believers. You're not a a standalone. You're not. Now, let me back off that statement just for a little bit. You are certainly, God created you the way he created you. You are certainly enough. You don't have to be that other person that you see on Facebook. You are enough in that realm. And I understand what they're trying to get at, but I don't like the term you're, you're enough because you're not. I'm not. I need you, and I need God. Amen? Amen. So, so his, his, that was his, his self-awareness then kicks in. In verse 21, it says this uh, about mile 20 is where we are now. Uh, his his self-awareness kicks in. Verse 21 says, Then I realized that my heart was bitter. I realized that my heart was bitter and I was torn up inside. So now listen, he shifts from, I understood I had heavy weight on me. He shifts from my my life was difficult, my, my circumstances were hard. He shifts from that to I was bitter about it. 
different thing. Okay? Life gets hard sometimes. It certainly gets hard and difficult sometimes. But my, des- my decision to get bitter about it is the little word called sin. My reaction to my difficult, hard moments of my life, my mile 18 moments, if I act in the wrong way, that's called sin. I become bitter. Those are two different things. We have to deal with the circumstances of our lives, which many of us have not. And we have, but at the same time, we have to deal with the sin that's in our lives because of those circumstances. They're two totally different things. We have to understand and we have to move forward. The more that I spend time with my fellow believers, the more that I spend time with God, the more I realize that my heart is bitter. Then I got to do something about it. So let's, let's, let's finish this thing up. Let's finish this thing up. Uh, look at verse 23. Verse 23 and following, it says this, Asaph says, yet I still belong to you. <laughs> Let me stop right there just for a second. My life is hard. The people around me are getting their own way. Things are not going well around me. My race is hard, and I'm a bitter man. I have this sin in my life, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand, it says. In verse 24, it says, you guide me with your counsel, leading me into your glorious destiny. Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Do you feel renewed strength in Asaph's life? Listen, at this point in my race, I had renewed in my brain and in my soul. I had renewed myself, but my body was still dragging. I mean, I was still, the time, my, my time out there was not good. I, I meant that my clock time was not good, but my time was not good either. I didn't enjoy that race at that point. But I knew in my spirit that I was going to be okay. And I knew that I could press forward, and I knew I could train for another one now because I had dealt with something in my life. Do you have a marathon? Are you running a marathon? Are you running multiple marathons? Some of us are. Some of us have this marathon in our marriage, and we're hitting, like I said, we're turning the corner to mile 18. We're running straight up that hill right now, and mile 18 is coming. I can feel it. It's going to be hard. I don't know what to do. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe, again, things I said moments ago with your anxiety or depression or an addiction of some sort. Let me wrap this whole thing up and look over to Hebrews chapter 12. Would you turn there with me? Hebrews chapter 12. As you're turning there, I've noticed that Again, I like to run. I don't really know why, but I like to run. And I've noticed that the more, the longer I run and the tireder I get, the more my focus shifts from out there. When I first start running, man, it's great. I'm looking at scenery. I'm checking out trees. I see a squirrel over there. Hey, there's a river up here. There's, I'm just looking around. Everything's great. But the tireder I get, the longer I go, the more sweat drips off of my baldish head the more I start looking down, and my running goes from here to here, and I start realizing, oh, yeah, my calves hurt. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't eat very well before I ran this race. Now my stomach kind of hurts. Oh, yeah, those shoes are about worn out. Now my feet are starting to hurt. You ever notice that? 
the longer we go in our marathon, the more our focus shifts from where it should be to where it should not be. So look at Hebrews chapter 12. We'll finish up with this. Therefore, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Four quick things in this verse. Number one is find your strength in other people. When you're at your mile 18, when you're at that lowest point, in fact, before you get to that lowest point, but if you're at that lowest point right now, let me tell you, let me encourage you to reach out to people that are around you. There is a cloud of witnesses in your race right now. There are people on the sideline chanting your name, wanting you to succeed. Find those people that are around you. Just as an aside, I told you that I didn't train for this marathon. I, I wasn't ready for this marathon, so mile 18 hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, it just, it just beat me down. It turned me into a puddle of goo, and, and I, I, I was not ready for that. So I had that going for me. <laughs> and so I, at that moment, I could have done what I said. I could have asked people to help. I could have enlisted people <clears throat> into my marathon, or I could have just prepared for it to begin with, and mile 18 wouldn't have hit me so hard. So if you're not at your mile 18, begin preparing now for it because let me tell you something, it's coming. It's coming for you. So if you start preparing now, get around your cloud of witnesses. Get in a small group. Get with some people that have been maybe a couple of miles ahead of you and let them feed into your life so that when you do hit your mile 18, it won't hit you so hard and you'll be able to keep running and you won't, it, it, it won't knock you backwards. So get with those people, true people who can, who can help you and grow your faith. Worship together. Oh, my goodness. I loved musical worship just moments ago. I just did. I, I've, I've been on church staff for, for so long that sometimes it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to just be and just to worship. And you guys that are, that are leading this church, you know that. And I just encourage you, man, take a moment every now and then just to just say, I'm, I'm not working today. I'm just worshiping today. Oh, it's so refreshing. But find times that you can worship together with other people. And listen, serve together. Find a, I mean, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing more effective than serving with someone. Uh, it's the foxhole mentality. My best friends, if you ask somebody who's been in the Army, my best friends, they'll say, are those guys that sit there in that foxhole with me as those bullets whizzed across their heads. They may not have even known them but for six or eight months, but they're their best friends. Serve together. Find something that you can do together with people around you of like faith. So that's the cloud of witnesses. Then it says to lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. Now listen, this is where perhaps biblical counseling comes into your life. Because there are weights that you guys have that, listen, they are not sin. They're histories. There are things that happened to you in your past there are troubles that have come across your path that you had no, that you have no responsibility for. You have responsibility to get through them. But some, some of you guys have had some histories that you have never, ever dealt with. And you don't need a necessarily a professional to help you with that. Now you might, and you might want to go to somebody to help you work through that. But you, you might, if nothing else, just sit down with someone, again, who is another mile in front of you. And just say, listen, I've, I'm struggling with this. There's some things in my past that I have never, 
ever dealt with. Oh, I need some help. Those are the things that we're talking about here, about laying aside every weight. If I were to run with dumbbells in my hand, I would end up running just like this, wishing that I was even more dead. But if I let go of those things and open up my arms and run this way, I'm able to run this marathon better. My friends, some of you guys are hanging on to some things of your past that you just need to let go of. And you need to let someone help you let go of them. Once you've held something for so long, your, your body is just used to being clenched up like this. So let go and let someone help you let go. Those are the things of your past, but it also calls out straight up. It calls out, it says to lay aside every weight and sin. That's a different thing. Some of us right now are battling sins in our lives that you just do not want to talk about. You just don't because you enjoy your little sin. I enjoy my little sin. There are just things in my life I just don't want to let go of. They're called sin. And let me tell you something. Once we truly will let them go, and once we truly will ask God to forgive us of that sin and to walk away from that sin, it is so much easier to invite that unforgiveness out of our lives. It's so easy for us to, to, to dismiss the bitterness that has come up into our lives. And let me tell you something. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Your prayers are even going to get better as we lay aside these things from us. Our relationship with God then begins to grow. So we are to find strength in others with this cloud of witnesses. We're to deal with the past with our every weight, and we are to get rid of the sin that's in our lives. And I know I'm oversimplifying this, but the point is this for this last line is that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. That word us is an interesting word. It's actually from the Greek word where the word ego comes from. So it's actually less about us. It's not less about, but it's equally about us and about me. My race is not your race. God has given me something that I'm supposed to do in my race, but I'm running it with you. Run your race. Tune the rest of the world out while you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do with your piece of the race, and then come back together and realize that we're all running for God. We're all moving forward because God is leading us, but my race does not have to be your race. You don't have to envy that other person's race. You don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing. You are designed by God to run the race that he has set before you as a community, if that makes any sense at all. So set aside the weights. Allow the cloud of witnesses to come around you. Deal with your sin. And then run your race. My personal, my, my personal self has been through this on a spiritual level. Yes, I told you about my physical marathon that I run. But I've, I've been through this exact same thing on a spiritual level and in, in multiple ways, as have you. And the thing that I have noticed is that when I finally I, I muddle through this verse, because I, don't wanna, I don't, really don't want to deal with the things of my past. I really don't want to get rid of my sin. And I certainly don't want to realize what God wants me to do. But let me tell you something. Once I do, you're looking at a man who feels freedom in his life. 
You're looking at a man who feels God's love, his peace, and his grace every day. And I've been a child of God for a long, long time. But until I let go, I didn't realize how great it could be to have a relationship with God. I just didn't. I had allowed bitterness and I had allowed things in my life that have held me just like this. And when I let them go, I'm telling you something. Life is good. And life is hard. But God is good. God does not do good to me because I am good. God does good to me because he is good. And the same with you. Take Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Break it down. Get those cloud of witnesses around you. Deal with your past. Deal with your sin. Run your race and see what God does. Will you do that for me? Let's pray together and we'll, we'll close this morning. God, thank you for, for your love. Thank you for just allowing us into your presence and to feel your, your love, God, and to, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be, um, uh, to be kicked in the pants at some point. But, God, we want to know you, and we want to feel your love. And, God, thank you for that. God, thank you for South City. Thank you for just allowing them to, to, to allow me in to speak a little bit about, about what, uh, what you're doing in, in our ministry. And, God, thank you so much for that. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll just bless these folks with their understanding of who they are in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Kirk, so much. Man, this is what a wonderful word, brother. Thank you. This is exactly what I was praying and hoping that you would share with us. Um, and I wanted him just to stay with me for okay. a moment. Do, you, do we have that last graphic for him? I want you to, to take a picture of this, uh, put this information in your phone. Interestingly enough, his ministry is called Mile 18 <laughs> Ministries. As you're teaching, I'm going, oh, <laughs> there it there is. It is. <laughs> Listen, I don't know about you, but depletion happens happens for all of us I've dealt with aspects of it even this summer in my own life it happens and we need each other to get through it we need each other I, I love you referenced uh, James chapter 5 and just before the, the, the part about our, our prayers being effective it says Confess your sin to one another so that you may be healed. Like that is a communal act, you know, it's a communal command to be confessional, to live life upon life in such a way that you share your junk, you share your stuff, you share your brokenness, you share your pain and your mistakes. And as you're sharing those things, you're praying with one another and you're seeing the Lord heal your heart and give you life. Jesus said, I've come to bring you life Church is not just about some religious experience and some thing that we attend. It's about a people who belong to God and together. A family who wrestles through the most difficult things in life and encourages one another toward life in Jesus. And that's what he offers us. Amen? But sometimes you get to the place where you just can't, you can't see the next step. We, we call our small groups city groups. Back there on the wall is a new uh, kind of reminder and, and a video that's playing. Mindy's done a great job putting that together. Gives you an idea of where our city groups are. If you're not involved in a city group, please go get involved in one. Go find out where you live and where the closest one is to your home or who you want to connect with and get involved and commit to those people. 
and let them begin to heal your heart and walk life upon life with those people. And then if you come to that point where you're like, I still need something else, I'm so grateful for Kirk's ministry. That he's, he's made his ministry and himself available to our church, to our staff, to each of us to help. And this is his ministry, this is his work, okay? And so this is, this is how he makes a living. But what a privilege for us to know him, for him to walk alongside of us as a body of Christ who, who understands, you know, there's a lot of counselors out there. There's a lot of psychologists out there and worldly counselors that will say, you're enough. Biblical counseling takes you to the word of God and says, no, you're not enough, but God is enough. Man, I'm so thankful. There's a difference. We have to be so careful that we're seeking biblical counsel for our souls. So I'm just so grateful, Kirk, for your, for your word today, for your life, for your ministry. This is, a, Kirk has been in, in uh, vocational church work for a while, and he's stepping into this uh, full-time, you know, biblical counseling ministry. So I want to pray over him this morning, pray over his wife, and pray over this future because it is so needed. And I'm so grateful for his heart and what a beautiful job he's done today to, to encourage us towards soul health. Hey, if we can help you, if we can pray for you, let us know. Uh, we have no equip today. Uh, city group leaders know that they, we have a meeting. But uh, if we can help you, if we can pray for you, we're here all week, we're here now, we would love to be a help to you. But I want to pray for us, and then we're going to be dismissed and pray over Kirk. Can we do that? Father, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for life with friends who love us and who help us and encourage us. They don't judge us. They walk with us. God, help us to be a people like that, willing to understand the value of confession, the value of life upon life, the value of struggling well together, the value of soul health and knowing that it only comes from the one who created our soul. So help us to value your word and to value your church and to live as your people. God, thank you for Kirk. Thank you for his wife. Thank you for the joy of having them today and sharing with us. And I'm just confident, Lord, that as we take this email address and this phone number down, Lord, there's several people that will make use of this ministry, Lord. And I pray that we will, even as a church, God, that you just help us to, to move towards this health in you in our lives, God, so that we can be all that you would call us to be and we would have this full life, Jesus, that you've brought us and want to give us abundantly. We love you. We give you this day, our hearts, all of our experiences, God. Use them for your glory. We love you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for being with us this morning. God bless you.